Hey, it's Charlie, and you're listening to the Encouragers United Podcast. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, we read, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. What a powerful, powerful statement that there is this kingdom of the world and there is the kingdom of God, that there are things in the world and there are things of God. And in today's podcast, I wanna encourage you with a sermon that I delivered recently at a great church I was a guest speaker, and I talk them through the story of King Saul, a story of obedience, a story of doing what God tells you to do and not desiring and keeping back the things of the world. I hope you're inspired today by this episode of the Encouragers United podcast. start with a quick story. You saw my title, All or Nothing, right? All or Nothing. We're going to talk about obedience today and really following and doing what God wants you to do 100%, 100% of the time. Um, But back in 2010, a man named Andy Thomason and his upstart fishing boat crew, a sport fishing crew, uh, entered in what was called the state of North Carolina's Big Rock Fishing Tournament. And lo and behold, on that faded June Saturday in 2010, they hauled in an 883-pound blue marlin. And it did originally qualify to win that tournament and set a state record for the largest fish. And it also carried with it a $1.2 million prize. That's quite a catch, isn't it? But unfortunately, it was soon discovered that Thomason and his Virginia-based crew had failed to purchase a $35 recreational sport fishing license in the state of North Carolina, leaving him and his crew disqualified for the tournament, the record, and the prize money. And alas, that award was given to a fish and a crew that was some 300 pounds smaller. But the rules are the rules, aren't they? Some might argue that this decision was simply unfair that crew did indeed haul in this big fish setting the record for the state and for the tournament but yet he did not follow the agreed upon rules and the instructions to enter the tournament and you see he discovered that day that almost was not good enough and partial compliance was really no compliance at all The same thing held true in the life of King Saul from the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel. Saul, if you'll remember, was the first king of the nation of Israel. And so we're going to read today here that he seemingly lived a life also of almost commitment. He took some liberties that he wasn't to take. And in the very end, it really wasn't 
what God intended for him or for us. And he lost big on this particular dramatic day that we're going to read about. And it's a tragic story of a man stuck in a worldly mindset, missing the great peace and security that obeying God 100% provides us. And so that's our inspiration this morning. I want to read this story with you. We're just going to take a little cozy stroll through the book uh, of 1 Samuel in chapter 15. And so let's turn there now because I want to encourage you that God is very clear with the instructions that he gave Saul and he is very clear with the instructions that he gives us. Number two is that we're going to be truly personally responsible for the choices that we make with those instructions. And that number three we need to learn is that nothing is ever going to be hidden from God, right? We're picking up this story as the prophet Samuel is speaking and giving some instructions to the great king. The words directly from God. So I want you to read this along with me in chapter 15, but I want you to listen really carefully for the exact instructions that God is giving Saul at this time. Let's listen carefully. Chapter 15, verse 1, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them at Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. And then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Let's stop there for a moment. We're picking this story up here, and for the purposes of our lesson today, I want to kind of encourage you that we ought not necessarily focus on the exact instructions. These are really difficult words, right? I want you to focus rather on that there were instructions that were very specific that were given, right? God has indeed instructed Saul here to completely destroy the Amalekites. That's a, hard, that's a hard thing, especially in our day's world. We don't have the same context when we understand that. Did you see the exact instructions that God gave, right? He was to destroy everything Amalekite. It was really based in what the Amalekites did to the Israelites oh so long ago when the Israelites were escaping and coming out of Egypt. The Amalekites did great evil to the Israelites during a time when they were very vulnerable and so Saul here really, commentators will tell you, is that Saul is being used and instructed by God to be an instrument of God's justice and his vengeance. So verses 7 through 9 describe what Saul did next. Let's read together. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen, of the fatted calves and the lambs, and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, all that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. 
Did you catch what he did there? Given the original command, Saul decides to take matters into his own hands, doesn't he? He keeps that which he deems to be good, and then he destroys that which he considers to be worthless. You see, that was the way things were done in days like, like these. That's the way the world handled these matters. This is how everyone around them did war, right? This might even be how Saul had been handling the previous battles in his leadership, but that wasn't to be the case in this battle. He received very clear instructions, didn't he? You are to destroy everything about the Amalekites, but either he didn't listen carefully enough, or he just flat out disregarded what God exactly said. I want to give you a side note here. We're seeing a phrase here that's called, it's this phrase, devoted to destruction. It's kind of an interesting phrase, isn't it? It's first used in verse number three. That's Samuel's command to Saul. You are to devote to destruction. I did some research on this phrase, and it's actually a Hebrew concept that's captured in their word, kerem, C-H-E-R-E-M, kerem. And it's really hard to translate into English, but really, as you might guess, it means to annihilate, to destroy, to remove, to clean. It has a kind of a cleansing tone to it. God was basically telling Saul to serve as his agent of vengeance and cleansing on this nation because of their sin and the evil that they had done in God's sight. Then it is, we read this phrase again in verse 9, right? Saul seemingly wants to take back of some of what he wanted or what he viewed to be good, fatted calves, uh, oxen, donkeys, camels, the king. <laughs> and then he devotes to destruction everything that he really didn't want to keep anyway. That was not his right. That was not his position. That was not his assignment, right? Paul seeming, or Saul seemingly wants to keep back some of what was good for himself, perhaps. And we're going to see here as we follow through the passage how wrong this really, really is. More than Saul even realizes how wrong this is, and it has dire consequences for him personally, for the whole nation of Israel, for Samuel, and even for God himself. Let's continue and pick the story back up in verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king for he's turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told to Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. Let's stop there for a moment. Oh, boy. This is one of the few times in Scripture that we actually read and can wrestle with the concept that God had regret. We worship a God who's all-knowing and all-present and all-powerful. How, how could he regret? I regret making Saul king. It's an interesting concept, and you know, even given what we know of this whole earthly king business, that even Pastor Ernie, I saw on your, on your, uh, your, your broadcast last week, that he preached this, that, that the, the people came to to Samuel and said, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. All the other nations have kings. Give us a king. And back in chapter 8, we read that the people demanded a king. And God comforts Samuel at that time, and he says, Samuel, don't resist what they want. We're going to give them a king. And Samuel, it isn't that they are rejecting you. 
It's actually that they're rejecting me. The whole concept really wasn't what God intended for us in the first place. And as, as Ernie pointed out, God wants to be our king. God wants to rule us directly. And now God seemingly regrets putting Saul even in that position because he would not obey. So Samuel chases him down, right? Because I, scholars will tell you that they were supposed to meet at a particular place, and of course Saul wasn't even there. They were celebrating and building monuments. So he goes down to Gilgal, and, and there's a confrontation that happens there. Saul's train is about to come off the tracks. Let's pick the story up in verse 13 now. This is a very famous and a very memorable part of Scripture, isn't it? Some of you know this story. You know where we're going here. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I've performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel answers him, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Let's stop there for a moment. It's a famous question, isn't it? Saul is really oblivious to what he's done. Somehow he doesn't realize. Blessed be the Lord! I've done what he told me to do! And Samuel uses a phrase here that we actually could use with each other. Even today, I've been in Christian circles where we kind of use this image. When we contrast what we know is the truth with what we're observing, or in this case, what we're hearing, right? Okay, Saul, you say you've done what God told you to do, but what is this that I hear? What is this, what is this sound of livestock? Pick it up here in verse 15 with me again. Because unfortunately, Saul doubles down, doesn't he? His pride is speaking here. Well, they, meaning the people, have brought them out from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we devoted to, to destruction. Saul seemingly blames the people here, or blames someone else. Oh, well, the, the people did that. And then he backtracks and says, well, they kept the good of it because we wanted to sacrifice it later, right? We wanted to, to keep the best, and that's what we do. To sacrifice is really what we were going to do with all of that stuff. As if to say, well, come on, you know, we, we, we sort of got it right. And, and this is what we were going to do all along. And Samuel lets him have it here, doesn't he? Pick it up in verse 16. And Samuel said to Saul, stop. I like that. Just stop. Stop with the nonsense. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he, Saul, said to Samuel, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of over of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Let's stop there for a moment. He lays it out here, doesn't he? I mean, he said, listen, I know that you're little in your own eyes. I, I, I thought that was an interesting statement. Even though you're little in your own eyes, that's a window into who Saul really is on the inside, right? He had some, he just was really struggling, as we all do sometimes. 
But he says, are you not God's representative to be the leader of these people? Why did you not follow God's orders? You would think at this point that Saul would repent. And he would say, oh my word, I've made a grave error. I'm so sorry. Pick it up in verse 20. Because you know what? I'm not sure that's what he did. In verse 20, And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me. I've brought Agag, the king of the Amalites, out, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice them to the Lord your God in Gilgal. His pride and his denial forced him to double down in the argument with technicality, didn't he? I did do what God told me to do. We were going to sacrifice everything later. God never told us when they were to be devoted to destruction. We kept some of the good stuff, sure, but it was only because we were going to give it to God later, to sacrifice it all to God properly on our altars. Samuel responds with one of the most memorable passages in Scripture, isn't it? Let's pick it up in verse 22 with me now. And Samuel says, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. And because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you as the king. See, this phrase, to obey, is better than sacrifice. That's a focal point for this whole tragic story, isn't it? Saul wanted to do, 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 and he did it on his own terms. He did it in his own way. Samuel reminds him, God doesn't want your sacrifice. You may value these lambs and oxen and gold and even the king, the head of another person, a leader of a nation. God doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants you to obey. And to obey is far better than sacrifice. You know, it reminded me this week in preparation of a proverb. Proverbs chapter 21, verses 2 and 3. It says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Let me give you some takeaways and perhaps some applications to take this wonderful and you know really powerful Old Testament story and really give it some, some application in our modern day life, right? Sometimes these stories, they seem so far away and distant that you know that was for a different time and a different era. Uh, but they're real people, right, in the Old Testament. And so we can make some application here uh, to that great story. Uh, it's a tragic story, but it's one that can teach us. And the first thing that came to my mind was that, you know, I needed to question. I, we, we need to almost daily question whether God has given us very specific instructions in our life. And I think he has, right? Uh, we have jobs. We have families. We have responsibilities. We have tasks that God has given us. Uh, to accomplish for him and for his purposes here on on earth, just like he did Saul. 
you know, my task may be different from yours. My instructions are certainly different than, you know, some other people's. Um, but they're instructions from God nonetheless, and I need to take them very seriously. And so I would encourage you today that when you know that you know that God has called you to do something, you need to do it, right? You need to be a participant. Um, I think another thing is that, you know, I was convicted even through preparing and delivering this message that, that God has given us some commands to, to, to eliminate the things of the world in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, and, you know, I've struggled with things like that. Maybe, maybe you have too. And, um, things that would distract us from our faith, things that would, uh, break down our bodies, things that would break down our minds and our hearts, our relationships, any of that stuff, uh, that, that worldliness needs to be devoted to destruction, right? We need to eliminate those things. Um, things like substance abuse and the use of pornography or other temptations that thing we, we just clearly know that they're not good for us. We need to eliminate those things. And sometimes our temptation is to keep those things back, right? Well, this, this, you know, God, I'll give you all of myself except this one little part. Uh, or or this little thing uh, it's seemingly you know not that big of a deal but it really is in god's mind and and i can tell you that he's not trying to punish you by saying you can't do all of these fun things or you can't have this you know comfort or pleasure but he really does know you and he knows what's best for you and so i would just ask myself am i taking some uh of the spoils Am I taking something back that I really, that doesn't belong to me and that really in the long run isn't good for me? Then I need to come back home. You know, I need to come back to God and repent uh, with a godly sorrow and and really try to um, stay close to Jesus so that I might become more and more like him. It's a process. I would never want God to regret putting me where I'm at, right? Um, that was one of these dramatic parts of the story where God just simply said to Samuel, I regret that I ever put Saul into that kingly position. Um, and what a heartbreak, you know, that God would be disappointed and regret that he would ever give us the responsibility and the instructions that he gave us. And he would regret that because we didn't do it. We didn't obey. Um, so yeah, I, I really want to encourage you with this. I'm going to do more and more um, Bible teaching here coming up in the next few episodes. And uh, so I want to I want to help and encourage you that this Bible, uh, the Word of God is so powerful and it enriches us and it encourages us. And so I want to encourage you to go make it a great day. Come alongside somebody, perhaps, and share with them what you're struggling with. If this has convicted you today, don't fight that fight alone. You're not alone. Reach out even to me. If you'd like some encouragement, feel free to reach out in any other way that you can. And I look forward and thank you for listening. Until next time, start where you are, take what you have, and do what you can. There hasn't ever been a single mom that I've talked to who feels like she has it all together, that she's doing a good job, and couldn't use just a little extra support. Hi, I'm Heather. I host the Shine.fm MomCast, and it is specifically for moms. It's a way to encourage you, to kind of give you a little bit of wisdom, and hopefully help you along this way of this journey that we've been given with being parents. So definitely check us out. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, and just search for us in Shine.fm Podcasts.